Hello and welcome to the Ginger Bets Be Good Golf Betting Podcast. It is safe to say that I had less complimentary texts this Sunday than I did the previous Sunday. And that did not surprise me because we went in terms of payouts last week. However, there were some positives and some learnings for all listeners and myself included. Um, I was receiving a bit of banter on Thursday about the selections being awful. Tyrrell Hatton gone after maybe nine holes. Plenty of text starting to come through. The learnings for me and for you listeners out there. Don't give up on your picks too early. There's a lot that can happen in a four-day golf event, very much like a test match in cricket. There are plenty swings and roundabouts. Conditions change throughout the week, and that means that certain players, even though they don't get off to the hottest start, as the course toughens up, their class can pull them through, and they can slowly climb that leaderboard and pit people to place payouts and wins. We didn't quite get that, but there were some signs that it could happen. Tyrrell Hatton got himself well into contention. Come Sunday, he had a genuine chance of winning the golf tournament. He was a 33-1 to chance of winning going into Sunday's final round and therefore had a genuine chance also of a place payout, a real probable chance, should I say, of a place payout. Unfortunately, Tyrrell decided to go back to Tyrrell of two years ago. He hit it in the rough off the first tee had a little bit of a fit when he duffed his second into the rough again, hitting it only 10 yards uh, ahead of him. He made a five, and then the writing was on the wall. I knew my money was done on Tyrrell at that point. I just didn't feel that he was mentally in it for a tough day at the Arnold Palmer uh, Invitational, and it was really tough conditions. Will Zalatorius, he made his way into the place payouts. Going into the 17th hole... He was in the places that are tied for seventh, so well inside them. He picked the wrong club on the amazing 17th, par three, over water, big bunker in front. Why he didn't just pick a club that would get him into the bunker at least, I'll never bloody know, but I'm not Will. He's a far better golfer than I am. So he picked the wrong club, the rest is history. He went double blob and pushed himself out of the place payouts. He ended up a tied for 14th. Harris English also was in with a chance of a place payout come Sunday. Again, awful first round. I dismissed him just like I'm sure plenty of you had, but he fought back, showed lots of qualities, and I think we'll hear from Harris English um, later on this year. I think that he's a player that will be on my radar given his lack of form recently. He's going to be available at some stupid odds. Excuse me. So, that's a reviewer last week. Not so many positive, but I do positives, but I do think there were some learnings. Onto this week, we have an absolute belter, one of the best events of the year, one of the strongest events of the year, on one of the best tracks of the year. We have the Players' Championship from TPC Sawgrass, Pete Dye designed, absolute beaut of a course. It's gonna be one hell of an event. I expect to see a winning score of roughly 20 under par, which is staggering, really. Um, I think that the conditions will be soft on days one and two. From what I'm reading, there's going to be plenty. There's been plenty of rain in the area, potentially some more before the event, and that means that those conditions on day one are going to be really gettable for the players. I expect some nine unders and maybe a ten under par on day one. It would not surprise me at all. So, winning score maybe of circa 20 under par. 
It's going to be a class event, and I can't wait to bring you this podcast. We're going to stick to the same format that has proved successful for us in terms of picking winners, place payouts, and also those of you that were tuned in in January will remember the first tips of the year when we managed to get last place, second last, and fourth last. So we've moved on from there, haven't we? We've come a long way and we're in a lot better form. I'm in a lot better form. And let's hope that we can get back on the gravy train this week and get a winner, if at the very least, a good place payout. Right, let's get in to this week's podcast where we're going to review the course, the skill sets required to be successful, and then the all-important top, middle, and bottom of the market review five outright selections and one of those selections is 125 to 1 and I think he's an absolute gem. He has similar form to my headline selection. Just to tee it up for you, headline selection, his best finish at this event. Five goes, best finish third. 125 to 1 selection coming to you at the end of this podcast. Five events, best finish second and another top 20 in that so he has really good chance of outperforming his odds this week and I cannot wait to bring you that hidden gem without keeping you any longer let's get into this podcast and it's going to be an absolute epic event cannot wait for it the players championship TPC Sawgrass let's go we are right in the middle of this incredible Florida swing then and we have another belter lined up this week coming to us from TPC Sawgrass Stadium Course Players Championship. How will the course play? Let me take you through my guide. We start off on the tee box then. A bit of background before I get into that. It is a par 72 circa 7,200 yards off the tips and all importantly this week the greens are a mix of Bermuda grass and a bit of velvet bent grass mixed into them. That was done some years ago to improve the graininess of the putting surfaces. In short, that means the putting surfaces this week are absolutely worldy. They are top class. Players will have no excuse and there will be puts rolled in from 10, 15 and 20 feet regularly. So we're on the tee box. How will it set up? It's a peak die course. As I have touched upon, peak die courses, the challenge doesn't come off the tee box as much as it does on the second shot. So off the tee, it is fairly easy for the players. The um, rough will not be as built up as it was last week. If you miss the fairways, you are going to have more access to the back of the ball and therefore more chance of reaching the green. Whether you'll have the ability to keep it on the green and miss it in the right spots, debatable. But it is not as going to be as punishing as it was last week if you miss the fairways. It's certainly going to be an advantage if you can land on the fairway. Well, for the sake of this preview, let's assume we've whacked one down the middle of the first and we're sat there, centre of the fairway, looking down that pin. This is where it gets difficult on peak die design courses because all players will talk to you and you'll read about it everywhere that to the eye, they are challenging in terms of their approach shot. Visually, they challenge the players mentally. The way that he lays out the greens on approach shots from the angles of the preferred landing area means that it's not as straightforward as it may appear to the eye. To try and break that down for you, the starting lines that players take is not as obvious as it may seem on many PGA Tour golf courses, which means that carry distances and yardages are effective. 
players that play well at peak die courses generally play well at other peak die courses. That's the challenge that faces the players this week, and we'll come on to more about that in the skill set section where we look at the key areas and get down into the detail of what the key skill sets will be required to lift it that trophy come Sunday evening. We've touched upon the greens. When we arrive on that after that perfect approach shot that we've just played, we land on the green and we're met with perfect putting services this week. They're not the biggest putting services, so as we'll come on to in the next section, greening regulation stats are going to be important as well as scrambling stats. I'm not going to keep you any longer. I want to get into the skill sets required to win and lift the trophy and become the players' champion come Sunday evening. Not long now then until I bring you the bit you're all waiting for, the top, the middle, the bottom of the market review and those five important outright selections with that big price one, 125 to one, coming to you in the next 10 minutes and I think he's got an outside chance of victory this week. He's someone that I'm really keen on and I think his odds are ridiculous in comparison to his ability. So. Before we get there, we have the skill sets review section. As ever, I'm gonna look at five key skill sets and break them down as to why I think they're gonna be important this week. If nothing else, you might use this section to do your own research and land on your own set selections. So first off, without a shadow of doubt, key stat this week, T2 green performance. I want long-term, historic, solid T2 green performance in my player, and I also want some short-term form. The exception to that might be one of our headline picks because he's an absolute world beater T to green. However, I do think it's a massively important stat and that's what I'm looking for this week. I've done that research and I'm gonna bring you that in my selections. To build on that, I also think green in regulations is gonna be a really important stat this week. The player that wins this tournament, I feel will hit a lot of greens and give himself some outside birdie chances from 10, 15 and 20 foot. Why? Because the player that also wins will not be able to attack every pin. And that's why I'm ruling out some of the young guns like Victor Hovland, who I think is slightly too aggressive and needs to do a little bit of learning before he can win on a course like this. Naturally, when greens are small, you're going to miss them. And that's what we have to this week at uh, the Pete Dye course. So scrambling, that's something that I always look at in terms of short-term performance. I want to see a player and I want confidence in my selection that he's going to get up and down when inevitably they miss the green on these hard tracks. And that'll be the case this week. So there we have it, tee to green, greens in regulation, scrambling. First time out on the podcast, bogey avoidance. Why? Because this week, if you're making bogeys, you're going to be going backwards. I expect a really low scoring event over at TPC Sawgrass this week, a lot lower than maybe we've seen in the past. I think the score, the winning score, could probably get to 20 under par. Finally then, this again, another first for the podcast, but I'm looking at strokes gain data in putting performance from 10 to 20 foot. Why? Because like I said, don't think players can play at every single pin. If players hit it to five foot, that you know naturally they've got an extremely good chance of making those all players on tour have that. That's why they're playing the elite level golf. However, 
percentage of puts made and converted from outside of 10 foot, the percentage drops drastically. And I want to look for some anomalies in that to see if there's any players that stand out in that range from 10 to 20 foot where I think there's going to be lots of puts from this week. And I think the winner will hold them, hold the majority or hold more than most from that range. So just to recap, the five key skill sets for me this week, strokes gained, tee to green, green in regulation stats, scrambling, bogey avoidance, and finally putting from 10 to 20 feet is something that I've paid particular attention to. We're now going to move into the all important part, the bit that you've been waiting for and the bit that you're really tuning to this podcast for. The review of the top, the middle, the bottom of the market and those five outright selections. Let's hope we've got a winner. You have been patiently waiting and I think the real reason you tune into this podcast is for the review of the top, the middle and the bottom of the betting market and to get your hands on these five outright selections. Can we continue the incredible run of form that we have been in? So the top of the market, Dustin Johnson heads the field this week. He starts off at 12 to 1 and we're going to review from Dustin all the way down to the 25 to 1 price bracket. Just to reel off the names, that includes DJ, Rory, John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantlay, JT, Colin Morikawa, Xander, Simpson and Hovland. I'll also include Tony Finno in this bracket. So let's get Tony out of the way. He can't win this week. He will never win and never be backing him at 22 to 1. No, I'm being a bit uh, a, a bit silly there. He will win tournaments. He's a world-class golfer, but he's not for me this week. The same can be said for Victor Hovland. I believe that Victor Hovland will be popular with many this week, but this track is not for him. I think better time tests lie ahead for Victor in the season. I think chipping will be important this week and I don't think he has loads of experience on the Pete Dye design courses which definitely deceived the players and playing them regularly has helped and proven an advantage. So where um, he is easily looked over for me this week and I encourage you all to do so in your DraftKings lineups because he'll be mega popular. I also felt he was running out of steam last week in days three and four and um, he's been uh, he's been playing uh, a lot of golf recently. I know he'll be well up for this event, as all the players will be, because this is an event they all want on their CV. But for me, Victor is an easy Passover this week. The same can be said for Webb, even though he is a winner of this tournament previously. I'm just not keen on Webb. There's something a bit like uh, other players don't take to Bryson. Don't know why I don't take to Webb. He is a quality golfer, but I'll be passing over him this week. That's the same for Rory McIlroy, who won this event last year. He's available at best price 16 to 1 with William Hill as we speak, and uh, he will be tempting to many. Um, there's an interesting stat that's been out there that every time Rory, or the, was the last time, should I say, Rory was outside the top 10 in the world rankings, guess what he did the week after? He won, and that was a year ago before the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Can he do the, a repeat of that? I doubt it. Dustin Johnson, guys, 
he heads the market. The bookmakers will tell you that he's the most probable winner of this event. I'm going to tell you, he has bloody no chance. His game is not on point. Yes, I risk a bit of, uh, you know, uh, take a bit of a risk with that sweeping statement. But I believe in this strongly this week. DJ is far too, far too far away. Not sure if that even makes sense. But he's too far away from his peak game. He's driving it up. He's off. His iron play isn't at his elite level. His wedge play isn't dialed in by his own standards and he's putting his gosh gosh it's awful right now so dj he's easy for me to pass over he also doesn't have a great record at the, this event he was a tied fifth last year and that was his best result in 11 visits i think that's his only top 10 but i stand corrected on that one then we have bryson Bryson is somebody who, when I take into account some of the thoughts that players have talked about uh, and some of the previews I've read this week around the redesign making the course easier off the tee and suiting players that are more aggressive, it really did make my eyes wander towards Bryson. If he's on your hit list, I'm not telling you to cross him off. I put him in, but he won't be a selection for this podcast. So there are a few players I've not touched upon in the top of the market, and they are... First off, Xander Schofle. Xander Schofle this week, guys, he's available at 20 to 1. He actually does have a chance of winning this week. I think he has a better chance than DJ. So that's a bit of a strange statement because those of you that are regular listeners will know that I think Xander's one of the most overrated golfers on the circuit. But he's 20 to 1 this week, and I think he has a better chance than Dustin to win. However, how is he the same price as our first selection? Our first selection this week is Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas is available at 20 to 1 with William Hill, nine places. He will not be 20 to 1 with nine places when the off is happening on Tuesday at 2 p.m. So get your bets on now. Dial in to JT. He will not be 20 to 1. He will be 18 to 1 top price, if not 16 to 1. Take it while it lasts. It's ridiculous that he's the same price as Xander Schauffele to win. One guy has got a major championship and has got absolute nerves of steel under the pump. Do you all recall he wedged it in from 97 yards to get into a playoff from the fairway? Not held a 10-foot putt, wedged it into the hole for Eagle to get it. Um, I think it actually was birdie because he was uh, playing his third. But anyway, he wedged it in from 97 feet uh, only 18 months ago to get into a playoff. That's the type of balls that JT has, and that's what he brings to the party. Does Xander have that in the locker? No chance. So for me, JT on price alone, yes, he's slightly out of form, but he is a standout bet. And that's the same theory that led us to the 50 to 1 payout on Colin Morikawa. Guys, Colin this week, he's 20 to 1. I told you we might never see him at 50 ever again. The field this week is the best of the year so far, and maybe will be the best of every event that takes place this year. And he is now 20 to 1. For those reasons, he's too short for me, but I would not put you off Colin Morikawa. Who's the second selection then? Second selection comes to you this week from the top of the range, and that is John Rambo Ram. John Rambo Ram is available at 16 to 1, and I think his game is perfect for this. He's made three cuts from three here. He's got better each year. He's amazing off the tee. He's more consistent than people give him credit for off the tee. He hits it far and long. He's going to have plenty of wedges going into those greens, and I also think that his patience is getting better and better. The one doubt I do have about him 
and it's been pointed out to me by a good friend uh, that he's put in maybe we'll let him down I'm willing to take a risk this week and dial into John Rahm at 16 to 1 and I encourage you to do so Right, there's so much to talk about. I don't want this podcast going on for 30 minutes. I'm going to try and wrap it up in 26, 27 minutes. So let's move on to the middle of the betting market and give you my thoughts on that. We move on then to the mid-market review. There are so many players in this 25 to 60 to 1 price band. I have two selections for you, and I'm pretty confident on both of them making a huge effort this week and being close on Sunday evening. So you're going to ask, who are they? Well, just tune in for another two or three minutes, and you're going to get them, guys. But I'm going to start off with a few players that I think are completely um, overrated by the betting market this week. And I think if you end up landing on them, you need to go and see a doctor. Let me tell you who they are. Right, Scotty Scheffler, guys, he's a worldy golfer, but he's available at 35-1 to 1 this week. He's the same price as Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed is a major champion, a multiple winner on the PGA Tour, a Ryder Cup legend. He has done it under pressure time and time again. And he's the same price as Scotty Scheffler. Guys, if you're thinking Scotty Scheffler this week, you need to ring up that doctor, go and see him, because you're not thinking right. Patrick Reed, on the other hand, if you're thinking of him, I wouldn't discourage you, because he definitely has a live chance this week. Other players overrated by the betting market. Hideki Matsuyama, he's 30-1 to 1 this week. The guy hasn't won since 2017. I'll leave it at that. Tyrrell Hatton, four times he's won in the past 12 months. He won the Arnold Palmer only a year ago at a, at a real hard event in, in America. We've just seen that last week. Tyrrell Hatton also got himself into contention after an awful round um, last week. He showed mental fortitude that wasn't in his game a couple of years back. So Tyrrell Hatton is a miles better bet than Matsuyama. And uh, if you're thinking Matsuyama, again, do not do it. Do not pull the trigger. You can put that money elsewhere. Trust me. Right, Daniel Berger, he's too short again this week. I can't comment on all these players, but what I now want to bring to you are the two selections for the week in this mid-range section, and let me tell you why. The first is a player that is going to make his breakthrough this year on the PGA Tour. I am pretty sure about that. He is an absolute world-class golfer. He's trending in the right direction. He's form he had a chance of winning on Sunday, but he didn't quite perform to his um, you know, his high standards and uh, and fell away uh, under very tough conditions. But I'm prepared to give him a chance this week as I've not been on him this year so far. I think his game is trending in the right direction. And I think this tournament is a tournament that, the, that he would love to get on his CV, as all players would. But I think this could kickstart a really good year for this guy. Third selection of the week. The man from the northwest of England, Southport, Tommy Fleetwood. 45 to 1 with Bet365, 8 places. 45 to 1, 7 places with Unibet. I would take those extra odds over the 35 to 1 and 33 with 10 places. I think he has win equity this week. He can win this event. So take those 45 to 1 on offer because it won't be there come Thursday, 2 p.m. Third selection of the week, Tommy Fleetwood. I'm going to quickly move on to the fourth selection of the week because I don't want to keep you here for 30 minutes. I want to get it done under that time this week. So, who is he? He is a man that the players would all love to look like. He's popular with the ladies and he's also one of my favourite golfers. I could watch his swing all day, every day. 
Well, I couldn't do that because then I wouldn't uh, wouldn't have a job. But uh, he is he is mesmeric on the eye. He comes from down under. He's got unbelievable form at this event. He's a winner of it some years ago. He's got four or five other top tens. He hasn't finished outside the top 20 in the last five years. And his game isn't too far away. And he'll have an eye on winning this tournament before he goes on to compete in the Masters in a few weeks' time. Because players that win the Masters come into it in form. I'm sure some of you have guessed it by now. But the fourth selection of the week, Adam Scott. He's 66 to 1, and I encourage you to take 60 to 1 in places, but he's available at 66, so maybe he shouldn't have been in this price bracket. But for the purpose of this podcast, I'm not going to re record. Adam Scott, fourth selection of the week, 60 to 1 with eight places, and 66 to 1 with eight places at Bet365. Dial in to Adam Scott. He's going to be around come Sunday, guys. I'm going to now move on to the outsider selection where I have promised you a big price one that I'm fairly confident about. And I'm also going to bring you a few quick thoughts on players that could be useful for making up your DraftKings lineup. And if you want to shoot for the moon and go for a big price winner, uh, they might help you, um, you know, put your uh, nudge you over the line in terms of making your decision. So let's get on to that final part of this week's episode, the outright, um, sorry, the outsider review. I apologize for keeping you all so long this week, but I hope you've had plenty out of the podcast so far. I'm only going to keep you for two more minutes and we're going to try and wrap this up in under 30. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking about players in this section. But for DraftKings purposes, these are a few players that I'd be considering as part of your lineups that I think are undervalued. Chris Kirk, he's 125 to 1. I wouldn't put you off an outright bet at that price, uh, but I'd certainly be including him in DraftKings lineups. Kevin Narr, I think that he will uh, perform better than the market expects this week. I think his game suits, he's got the patience, got the putting game, and when there's big prize pools available, like the Players' Championship, he gives them his full attention. I think he could be a useful uh, utility player in your DraftKings lineups. Also, Billy Horschel, I think, can fit into that category of being a useful player in DraftKings lineups. His game is uh, really good for this type of setup. He's in good, consistent form, loves the Florida swing. And I think that uh, I've actually backed him outright for small pennies at 170, 180 to 1. He's way too short with the bookmakers at 71. They're trying to rob you blind there. Don't be doing that. But he's definitely useful for your DraftKings lineups, guys. Right, you've waited long and hard for this. I promised you at the start of this uh, podcast that we had a real live outsider, and I do believe we've got that this week. So who is it? Well, it's a player that has the same t- similar type of form as JT, one of our headline picks of the week. He has a second at this tournament. JT's fin- best finish is a third. He also has an- another top 20 at this tournament, and he is a player that has the skill sets to win. I won't keep you waiting any longer. The fifth and final selection of the week is Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner is available at 125 to 1, and I encourage you to snap up that because it wouldn't surprise me if he made a run at the places, if not the championship, come Sunday evening. And I definitely wouldn't discourage you from putting him in your DraftKings lineups. Guys, I've kept you longer than I wanted this week. I apologize for doing so, but I hope that you've got plenty of good insights and snippets to help you make your own outright selections. And if nothing else, you can follow these blindly. Thank you for listening. I'm not going to plug any promotions this week or anything like that. If nothing else, be good. Thank you.